Hello, friends, and welcome to the Exploring Washington State podcast. My name is Scott Cowan, and I'm the host of the show. Each episode, I have a conversation with an interesting guest who is living in or from Washington State. These are casual conversations with real and interesting people. I think you're going to like the show. So let's jump right in with today's guest. Well, I'm sitting here with Neil and Tamara Calkins. You guys have an upcoming concert that I was approached. And I'm going to turn it over to you. You're a classical guitar duo. How did you get involved with this Dry Falls project? We'll call it the Dry Falls project. This is probably wrong. But on May 20th, you're going to be performing a brand new work written by Martin Kennedy. How did this come about? Okay. We had... Um, we have a classical guitar series here in Ellensburg called uh, Guitar in the Gallery at uh, in conjunction with Gallery One. That's the location where we do the performances. And we were wanting to have a, uh, a second performance venue for our folks who were coming over. The, the Guitar in the Gallery series is on Sunday afternoon. And so we thought, oh, where could we have folks play on a Saturday? And so we happened to be in Soap Lake at one point. We were, it was our wedding anniversary. We went there and um, I was walking around town and there was a gallery. It was, uh, it's called Fire on Main. It's a blown glass gallery. And one of the doors was open to what turns out to be the hot shop, which is where they have the furnace and uh, the the person actually does the glass blowing. And there she was in there, Debbie Noah, uh, blowing glass. And I stood there in the door and we began chatting and I presented the idea of perhaps having our uh, gallery series there in her blown glass gallery also like have it on Saturday evenings. And that sounded great. And so we began doing that. We did that for a couple of years. And at one point, Tammy and I, we premiered a piece there. It was written for us uh, by Virginia Yep. And uh, we premiered it there. And after the performance, the mayor of uh, Soap Lake, who is one of the big supporters of the series, uh, Mr. Uh, uh, Gravel, gravel i believe and he came up to us and he said you know we need to compose to to get a composer to commission a composer to write not the grand canyon suite but the grand coulee suite and i thought about that dang that is a good idea because I've always loved that that area of the state i'm i'm from eastern washington and i have always thought that the the, the dry falls area is one of the most stunning uh, parts of the state. The rock formations are so dramatic and the history is fascinating. It's, 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 it's a magic place. And so we, Tammy and I talked about that and we wanted a composer from here to, to write the piece. Martin Kennedy was teaching, he was the teaching composition here at Central in Ellensburg. And so we, along with the uh, friends of the Lower Grand Coulee commissioned him to write this piece, a musical evocation of the Dry Falls. Um, and Martin is also a cyclist like Tammy and I are. And so we, during the pandemic, so that Martin could see the area better, we went there, we cycled through it. And so he could could see it, and uh, you'll learn about the history of it, the relationship to of it to the Missoula flood, et cetera, et cetera. And um, and so he, uh, as I said, we had commissioned it in conjunction with the friends of the Lower Grand Coulee, and so that's that's how it came to be. It okay. was inspired by this comment that uh, the then mayor of uh, Soap Lake made to us after another premiere. And the Grand Canyon Suite is a very famous American piece for symphony. And um, yeah, Neil was born in Moses Lake, loves Eastern Washington. It made a lot of sense to write a piece about that fantastic part of the country. So you're going to perform this for the first time on May 20th in Soap Lake. Correct. Okay. The performance will be at the Lakeside Bistro. And... Uh, we will be premiering. It's a movement. In, it's a, it's a piece in six movements, mm -hmm. 
and the movements are there's a a prelude then there's uh the central movements are like a a, a baroque dance suite really you have an almond a courant a chaconne and a jig and then there's a postlude and each of the movements has this very poetic subtitle uh, which has some reference to the Missoula flood. It's really quite lovely. So the Missoula flood was 15,000 years ago. Yeah, it was a long time ago. Yeah, right. <laughs> when the waters came through and just kind of scoured the landscape and right. um, yeah, left um, what is the Grand Coulee. So... Do you want to know how we got into guitar? Actually, <laughs> but we're gonna get there well, okay. because so so here's so I gotta I'm gonna tie this back early on in, when we started the podcast. Um, Nick Zentner from Central, yeah, was yeah. a guest, and Nick. It was a very interesting conversation for me. It was very different than what we do now in the sense of. Um, I didn't have a conversation with him before. Literally, he popped on screen and 30 seconds later, he goes, hit record, let's go. And it was like, okay, I'm going to hang on. And it was like, you know, I was trying to ride a bull for eight seconds in a rodeo. It was, he was great. But he's talking about this and he's talking about, you know, dry falls and he's talking about the enchantments and he's talking about rocks in this general region, which I've never, I mean, I've never really paid attention to them, right? Mm -hmm. And so he said some things that were fascinating to me. And I still now even go back and go oh yeah the enchantments they how the rock moved from what's baja california now is through the millions of years it's moved which was really you know like really i think of rocks as being from where they are and never think of them moving so he's talking about the missoula floods and all this stuff and now you guys are involved with this this dry falls piece what i'd like to know is i'm not a musician and i'm not well versed in this genre of music. So you said some words a little while ago that I can't even pronounce that I didn't understand. Jig, I got that one. The others I'm not sure about. <laughs> but what I'd like to know, so what's involved with commissioning a piece? Because did you have input in in the actual writing of the piece? Or was this just Kennedy, Mr. Kennedy's work? Or how can you set that table? Yeah. I I think for this piece, we just took him out to that uh, landscape and said, write something that's like this. And came up with an amazing piece that, I mean, it's just, you can really hear kind of the pounding water and you can hear the spaciousness. Um, So the way that he has put the notes together and the rhythms, um, it's very maybe different than what most people listen to, which is very regular. Mm-hmm. Um, this is very, um, I wouldn't say it's atonal, but it's certainly um, not the kind of, you know, I don't know if you played like blues, you know, you have the 415 <laughs> chords. Basic, basic, yeah, but that's yeah, so the... it's not really like that. It's it's much more um, involved and... Um, I don't know. Very interesting. I'm, and I can say something about the Baroque dance suite because I've done um, some historic dance. Okay. Um, and uh, this was a format that, you know, they used kind of like the blues, I guess. You know, you have certain kinds of dances that you do to certain rhythms and tempos. Um, and so he's interpreted that very loosely. Okay. <laughs> but um, So you literally yeah. just... You guys rode around out there. Yeah. Yeah. And that was and that was the framework that you provided him. Yeah. Make get something him to sound s- like this looks. Yeah. Bingo. Yes. H- how can you musically evoke this landscape? And 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 a part of it is the history of this landscape. And so like the the beginning, the first movement, the prelude, its subtitle is a thaw falls upon the earth. And so you have these, these little notes. Bati, 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 bam, bati, bati. And you can just imagine, not random, but 
but drips. You know, drips are not random, but they have a rhythm to them. Mm-hmm. But it's not it's not a rhythm like what I'm snapping out here. And 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 you hear that other parts you will hear these uh, these echoes between the parts where it's as though you're it, it reminds me of being in a cave where there's a, again a, a drop of water you hear it hit the hit the surface of the water then you hear these these echoes at uh, at odd rhythms okay. from it and so and then as Tammy said there there are these very driving uh, heavy parts of it where, where you can imagine a real deluge uh, happening so yeah so the sense that you're small in this immense event <laughs> over okay. an immense amount of time I think it's really a great kind of perspective to put yourself in you know put yourself into this you know present um over the long durée as we say <laughs> a long time so period this was written intentionally for two guitars yeah 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 so it's not an orchestral piece so he's accomplishing this by only using two instruments correct yeah. yes okay. or the we don't play transcriptions. We only play music written for guitar. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. So to me, that seems it would be even more challenging when you have just two instruments to work with from a, you know, you don't, you can't like, oh, let's have the bassoon come in here. You've got two guitars and with the r- limits of what those instruments can do. I think that's correct. Okay. Yeah. What was it like? So. I've got this imagination going. You wrote out there, you said, give us something musically that looks like this, sounds like this. And then he comes back to you and hands it to you, which I know is probably not accurate, but we're going to run with that story. That's pretty much that is That is accurate. Okay. That is accurate. <laughs> okay. And, and so when we were out there, we, we said, here's what it looks like. And here's something we know of the history of it. I'm sure Mr. Zentner could yeah. have speak uh, uh, much at more length. At, at length, <laughs> at and, length. And, and more authoritatively than I can. But it's it's kind of one of the things that you see in in the piece is let's call it the difference between how the Dry Falls area was formed and how the Grand Canyon was formed. The Grand Canyon was my understanding is it's millions of years of the Colorado River scouring this out. Not with, so with the with the dry falls. The dry falls was uh, created uh, very quickly and very violently. Okay, and so there's there there is a sense of uh, I could go so far as say violence in some of the movements. Okay, so I didn't. I, okay, so you would characterize it then as having a an aggressive, violent tone to it. I guess. Is uh, that- uh, particularly one of the movements, the jig, uh, really is. Yeah, it's. Okay. It's like it's it's one, two, it's three, driving. Five, six, seven. Yeah, you know, it's in seven, and it's you know very bon erratic. Yeah. Bon 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 I mean, it's like it's pretty heavy. Okay. So he brings you the music. How do I want to say that? How do I, so when I ask an author, like, what was it like the first time you saw your book in public? And you haven't performed this in public yet, so I can't ask you what it's like the first time you performed it in public. But walk me through when he handed you the sheet music. Did he try to play it for you? Or did you sit down and start playing it? How did you go about hearing it for the, the first time? Um, when he sent it to us, I, I think he did send a like a, a synthesize synthesizer version of it. We get a machine to, mm-hmm. to play it. Um, we really focus on just uh, reading the music and, and discerning what, what's said here on the page. That's mm-hmm. obviously a, a very modernist statement, but sorry, I'm a modernist. So what was and, your reaction then? Uh, when you first saw oh, it. I, I think it's very cl- when we first saw or first started playing through it. Yeah, I, I think it's quite clear what he's what he's getting at musically. It's, you know, we had some. Yeah. 
so was it, I, I guess, I don't want to say this. So you're a, you're the performer. Mm, you mm. didn't, you didn't write this. Correct. Okay. So as it's given to you for the first time to play, what was that experience like for you? Because when I talk to musicians that are writing their own songs, you know, they're in my interpretation, they're noodling around, jotting something down on paper, strumming something, keyboard, da, 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 drums, and they're piecing it together. And then all of a sudden they get to this point. But in your case, this, he handed you these, the sheets of music mm-hmm. and you're, so you're in my, my view, which is not a musician's view, please. You're reading somebody's work for the first time. Right. Okay. That you're going to be the performer of. What was it like when you first played some of those notes on the guitar? Well, you're you're sorting out what the uh, what the compose what what is the composer's intent? What is the composer uh, trying to say? How does this musically need? Uh, what what speed does this musically need to go at? How does this places where you pause? How is this musically supposed to hang together? Uh, sort of step back a moment. Um, the in, in many ways, the entire training of a, uh, a classical musician, at least it's not wrong to think of it this way, is to teach them to do what you just said. Mm-hmm. You get a, a piece of music and and with whatever minimal other uh, indications there are there, piano here, there's some, you know, a, a retard mentioned here with these minimal uh, indications, you figure out how to make it into music. Okay, that's what the entire training of a of a classical musician is, or at least it's not wrong to characterize it as that. It's more than that, but okay. um, and, and so uh, this is in many ways this is this is what we're trained to do okay. is is to get this, and 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 we do that both uh, with uh, music that is written for us. We figure out what the composer is saying. And you can, you can hear it. You can, you can understand the aesthetic of it and how to get at that. And, and, and with, with music by, that has been written for us, by living composers. Uh, and it's, it's the same thing that we do when we, are playing our uh, historic instruments, playing 19th century music. Um, we don't play the uh, standard repertoire that that others, but we just don't have an interest in that. Or, or, or at least we're more interested, I am, in uh, playing stuff that folks haven't heard before mm-hmm. um, because they're, you know, plenty of fine recordings of of thus and such duet by fernando soar okay great i'm I'm interested in playing something else and so again there i'm getting just a piece of paper from an archive Mm -hmm. probably and in that case i don't have a composer to ask hey what you mean on measure 97 because he's dead and so (laughs) um and so it it is totally up to us to figure out what that means so it's, it's the same thing here so did you go back and ask what did you mean on this? No, we haven't asked him on any. It's no. pretty clear. Yeah, it's it's um, totally and clear. It fits under the fingers, pretty well. Yeah. Um, okay. You know, I would even say some of it's very guitaristic. He's mm-hmm. you know got some chords that just really resonate. You know, um, it's very playable. Very playable. Okay. Mm-hmm. And how long? So. Once again, we'll go back. Mm-hmm. You guys were riding bikes. He goes out there. You tell him this is what you want. How long did it take for him to hand you what I'm looking at on the table right now? Right. Mark, my recollection was that uh, once he got started writing it, I think it was fairly quick. Okay. I, but I just really don't you know, remember because it, right. it was the pandemic. What year it was or anything It could have been three anymore. years. Yeah. yeah, it could have been three minutes, three years. We don't know. Yeah. I, I, I can't remember. I, I don't think it took him more than a few months, okay. to, a couple months to write it. Yeah. He had, he was writing a, uh, 
a, a big symphonic piece. Uh, I want to say a trombone concerto. And so that was taking a ton of his time. And so once he got done with that, then I think he whipped this out uh, fairly quickly. Okay. He was, he was parts than a concerto. He was very happy to have us a a small, more manageable project to work on. In the grand scheme of things, then for him, this is a a smaller project. Yes. 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 Okay. Yes. Only two parts. So how long have you had the music? Ooh. Well, I can say like Robin Ford um, played this. He's the blues player and he mm-hmm. did a concerto um, in Germany. And he's like, yeah, I was in my hotel room for three whole days, you know, and, and we're like, yeah, we usually take at least three months. Okay. <laughs> three days, three days. Like, okay. Yeah. I mean, it's a different kind of process, right? Like he's playing blues, which has this, per, you know, certain structure and, right. you know, certain chords that, you, you know, you see all the time. I'm, this is very different in that um, it, it's even different than traditional harmonies. Mm-hmm. So you might have, you know, like a, I'm playing a G sharp, D sharp, G sharp, D sharp. And then it goes to, you know, um, no, that's not a good example, but um, say a chord that's like, a sharp, F sharp, C sharp. You know, you're. It's not a chord that you're going to play all the time. It's. It's going to sound new to your ears. Right. Um, and we really like um, just playing something that's new. You know, you don't go to their back to the record and play it like you know. See how other people have been playing it. Okay. Um, yeah, it's fun. So on the twentieth, and what if somebody that's listening to this were yeah. to attend? Yeah. What can they expect? So we're playing three pieces. Okay. One of them is an early 19th century piece that hasn't been heard in a very long time. It's very um, traditional. I think it's by Antonio de Abro. So that means he's kind of noble. It's like if you have D-E before your last name, okay. that means you're... <laughs> um, All right. <laughs> so most hen- your gente, you know, your gentleman. Okay. Um, and uh, so that's a piece that we put together. Somebody had been maybe drinking wine or something. So there were parts of the manuscript that were missing. <laughs> so we reconstructed that, and it's you know it's got this da dum bum bum bum. You know, this kind of sounds like they're off on a hunt. <laughs> And then, uh, you know, this very hauntingly beautiful second movement. Um, and then it finishes with a minuet. But, but you tell me, though, were there, were there so sections a, missing of this? Like yes. Were, well, they weren't missing. They were obliterated by a spill. And so yeah. there, there are parts, sections of our parts, which have these, it's like somebody dumped red wine on it. And so you, you can't really read so what the measure is. how do you play red is. wine? What right, exactly, okay. and so you. So we've reconstructed it. And again, it's it's a piece of what one learns when right. one's no, going to be a but, musician. I mean, you can look at it and you can make through the stain. You can make out some shapes, and so you can get some idea. And, and the shapes are reminiscent of the shapes that have happened in the measure before, which you can read. And so you can say, okay, it's probably something like this with that rhythm and then we try it out and we say okay that's close but and and you just keep doing it until you get oh yep that so one's like it got it bingo okay exactly all right so that's and one so piece that's one mm-hmm. piece okay. exactly right we'll open with that all and right. then um i don't remember the order of it's, the- uh, we're doing their bro and then uh michael young oh good his piece is next um we were uh, at a friend's wedding at saint mark's you know they had the big fantastic organ there and we're like in seattle in seattle right um and we're like oh that's such a great sound wouldn't it be cool to have a piece that was like big organ music big. okay <laughs> a lot of gravity that? michael young <laughs> yes he's a organist um who loves to take off when people are singing their hymns and all of a sudden they'll be um Lots of different notes that you're not expecting. <laughs> he has a lot of fun with it. Wonderful improviser. Yeah, improviser. wonderful with improvisation. So he's written this piece. Um, this was written for us 
Well, it was right after Rebecca's wedding. Okay. <laughs> so, um, yeah, he was like, I woke up and I had this idea. And we're like, oh, that's so cool. <laughs> and so, so, so we, that's the second piece. And we asked him, mm-hmm. this is a, a fun story, I, I, at least mm-hmm. I think. Um, so we had asked uh, Mr. Young to write this piece for us. He did three movements, uh, the called Prelude Music. Uh, it's a prelude... Uh, Fugue. A fugue. So fugue is like you and, have like dum right. bum and then another pair goes dum bum and it kind of like overlaps. Right. So, okay. so it's, it's a prelude, mm-hmm. a fugue, and then a then a, a passacaglia. And so we premiered the piece, three movements. And so we premiered the piece at a performance for the Seattle Guitar Society about a year ago, I guess. Yeah, it was a year yeah. ago in the spring of last year. And Upon listening to it, Mr. Young, the performance, Mr. Young said, it just can't end that way. That's that's it needs more. It needs more. So within a few weeks, we had a fourth movement, the Toccata. <laughs> and so he wrote the Toccata. So so we will be pre- playing all four movements, the fourth movement being a premiere also. Okay. So we're going to be premiering the, the Toccata, the last mu- movement, and then we'll uh, premiere uh, Martin's piece. All right. Okay, I'm going to set the stage for the audience. The audience doesn't get to see anything here. So I'm sitting in your living room and I'm looking over your shoulder and I see a, a guitar. Mm-hmm. And I can't stop wondering what is attached to the guitar and why. There's a. <laughs> oh. Yeah, that, that, Sorry. It's, you see it's, two guitars. One of them has oh, I don't a see, brace. I don't see the other one. I, so is it a brace? Okay. I'm like yeah. looking at that going. And what is that for? So, and so, yeah, there is a a, a device that that screws on to the bottom of the guitar, which allows you to, which puts it at the the proper height and angle, such that the guitar can be resting there on one's left leg. Oh. And it, yeah, it's this sort of gymnastic device but it works fine and the advantage of that is that the the traditional way of playing the classical guitar the modern classical guitar everyone follows segovia i shouldn't blame segovia targa did it too but um it was it is is you would have a footstool under your left foot elevating the left leg and that would get the guitar up in the the proper position the downside of that is it's it's not the best thing for your back and so this this odd looking device that you're seeing is a a way of getting the guitar in the same position but but easier on your back easier on your back exactly right why is you've referenced the position of the guitar why is that important? Does it change the sound? I mean, what I mean, we're playing a lot of different notes. <laughs> so okay. to, to be able to reach all of them, you just you want to have really good posture, and you want to, you know, for ease of playing. For ease of playing, yeah, and you yeah, want we're not just playing chords. Okay, yeah, you want to have the guitar because because we are doing so much, and we we want to be in control of our sound, mm-hmm. and so we want to you know not be strangely taxing on our backs such that we you know cut short our our, our our playing we and we want to have the guitar as stable as possible okay and so you want the guitar to theoretically kind of not move okay. such that you can if you do something subtly different which one does with uh usually the right hand it's because you're wanting a different sound. So you want the guitar in one place and, and, and you to be able to subtly change the angle that your fingernail strikes the string to to get that subtly different sound that you're after. So, it's all about st- having the guitar in a stable position. So the, by stabilizing the guitar, that removes that variable of of, of you, you're, you're moving your fingers. That's the variable. We don't want the guitar to move and, and mess up what you're trying to solely do. Okay. Yes. All right. Yes. Yeah, we're playing pretty special instruments. These are built by uh, Greg Miller, who's coming to the concert to hear his two instruments play okay. together. We have a spruce top and a cedar top. Um, 
yeah, he's just, he's really great. Yeah, they're marvelous <laughs> they're instruments. Resonant. They were both custom made for us. Um, Greg lives in Portland. Oh, so when you say custom made, what's custom? Did, was it is it fitted for you like a pair of shoes? Is it custom? No, it's a it's, traditional size. Okay. It's it's yeah. not the 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 sh- you you can get them at a different scale, which is a different string length. We didn't okay. went with the the normal six fifty string length, um, and everything else about that is the build itself. There are certain things that one yeah does pick. They're they're internal. You can't see them. There's a, a thing about the bracing which. Uh, is an upgrade and yes i did want that but when we say custom uh what we're in many ways well one of the things that it's involves is is going there and actually picking out the woods that's really fun is to go into the shop and actually pick out which piece is going to be the top here are two or three possibles important we'll sit and and tap them and just kind of Try to get a sense of what they will sound like. Yeah, and and picking out which which pieces of uh, wood are going to be the back and sides, and 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 then he <clears throat> would send uh, via email various different uh, design possibilities for the rosette and That's the uh, circle around mm-hmm. the sound hole and uh, the 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 rosette on my guitar, which is the darker topped one. Um, it it looks like the rosette looks like this kind of repeat. I mean, it is this repeating geometric pattern, but what or and what it is is a it's inspired by a kimono folded and being in the closet. It's really I astounding. Totally get, I'm I can totally get that from here. I, where did you get the inspiration for that? That's a, he, we, I didn't. He did. Okay. So he I mean, did. So that's, I mean, I'll be honest right. with you. That seems like a very, very cool, but like, huh? Sort of like, yeah. I've thought of something like this before. We have some con- contact with Japan. Tammy okay. uh, went to uh, kindergarten, kindergarten and first grade there. Okay, so you do have there's and, some and, uh, some. And our daughter lived there for a couple of years. Okay, well, we can work with that. Then. We'll but, pull on that thread. But Greg's eye for design is just second to none he is just stunning now you mentioned and i i know next to nothing about guitars you mentioned the bracing in yours is Mm -hmm. you said and you wanted it yeah why there's a special uh sort of bracing in the inside which that's redundant all bracings on the inside but um that that allows the top to vibrate more freely And so as you look at a guitar, you don't know it, but on the inside, there are a set of, I want to say there are seven, they're called uh, fan struts. They're on the inside of the, of the guitar. There are also these lateral uh, braces. And so the special bracing that I, that we asked for, we have it on both is that this lateral bracing it's it's cut such that it it basically creates a bridge over the fan struts, and so it is not impinging the vibration of the fan struts. So it allows the the idea is to is my understanding, my layman's understanding is that it allows the more the entirety of the top to resonate better, but. And that's a lot of what we're doing with classical guitar that you would not get as much in an electric guitar as we're really thinking about, you know, different kinds of sounds. How do we get the instrument to be, you know, it's never a loud instrument, but, right, but you know, get some dynamic range, uh, get some tonal colors. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So these are acoustics. Do you use... So when you're performing, let's go, let's talk about the, on the 20th, will it simply be acoustic or will there be there? So there won't be any amplification? I, nope. I don't believe so. Yeah. No. Okay. We I, actually I, went up to the space and it's, it's pretty good. The acoustics are, are fine. Yeah. yeah. It's okay. yeah. fine. Yeah. yeah. You know, here at gallery one, we play upstairs in the atrium and it's super, lo- uh, super resonant. So mm-hmm. that's exciting. But I think the bistro is going to be great if they just renovated it and. Yeah. So if you were going to amplify mm-hmm. this, 
how does one amplify an acoustic? We're not. But, but if you record, <laughs> when you're recording it, how are you? Let's say if you're recording something, yeah. How do you go about? How does one record your performance? Sure, it, the way is uh, same as we're recording here with microphones mm-hmm. out in front of the instrument, okay. and and you place those. Uh, we've done it different ways. If you place the microphone in close to the instrument, then you're. It's not surprisingly, I suppose, when I say it out loud, you're really hearing the instrument a lot. Mm-hmm. In, by contrast, if you put the microphone six feet back, then you're hearing the instrument and the reverberation of the instrument in the room. Okay. And so it's a balancing of that, okay. that kind of thing. So the room could would color the, the recording. So if yep, you were yep, sitting yep. over here, so we're in a, in a rectangular room, if you were sitting down where your music stands are and I were to be recording you and I had a microphone, say, six feet away, the room is going to color the sound as well mm-hmm. or be part of the color. Whereas if I put the microphones up close to you, we're really just getting less of the room and more more focused on just the the sound coming out of the instrument versus the environment i think that's correct okay all right what one of the things i like about this show is i always just get to ask questions that are probably like super basic but that's okay they're my questions what are some of the differences between a a classical guitar and a, a normal not normal uh, mainstream acoustic guitar. Like if I found a Martin guitar at Goodwill, it's a brand I'm aware of, uh, which I believe they were are good good guitars. Oh, very. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So if I found a Martin guitar, I wouldn't recognize that. Like if this, please forgive me for saying if this guitar was at Goodwill, I mean, no disrespect, but if that guitar was at Goodwill in a case, I opened the case, I went, yeah, I don't recognize the name. And I closed the case and move on. Probably a mistake. But if it had Martin across the headstock, I'd go, oh, it's a Martin or I think so. What's the inherent difference in, say, a, a Martin acoustic versus this guitar? Okay. I mean, for probably, play, probably the strings. I mean, Martins are usually have steel strings on them. Okay, so these, these are nylon. Are nylon. Yeah, these are nylon. We actually string. use gut on our gut, okay. early nineteenth century instruments. Mm-hmm. So the nylon, you know, gives you a lot more. Uh, different tonal color. Now, when you say early 19th century mm-hmm. instruments, do you mean you're playing actual physical instruments from the 19th century? or We have both. Okay. We have yeah. original, like Tammy has a, a, a 19th century guitar that was made in 1820 in Miracourt, France. And I have one from uh, Stuttgart, Germany that was built in 1850. And we play those. And we also have uh, lovely uh, replica instruments. Uh, mine, one is built, uh, modeled after an 1840 French instrument, and the other is a, 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 it has seven strings, and the other is a, a terz guitar. So it's a little smaller and higher pitch and loud, and it's modeled after an, uh, I want to say an 1850 Stouffer, a German model from. I believe Vienna. Anyway, those were both built for us by a a builder in Victoria, British Columbia named Scott Tremblay. We have a pair. So we have both originals and uh, replicas. But getting back to your question about the, uh, the, the, the instrument itself. um, I guess if you, at a goodwill, you open it up and here's a classical guitar. You don't know if it's good or bad. You, you you play it and and you just see the your that would be the thing you would do at first to determine does it have uh the volume the color the you know the the range of color does it does it really speak uh these those would be sorts of questions you would play uh, additionally you would look at it to see does it have a solid wood top or does it have a plywood top um the, that's a mark of a student that, instrument yeah yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, and to be fair there was a hauser which he was a very famous maker in the early 20th century that was painted blue that somebody found at a goodwill or someplace <laughs> and uh yeah very 
good guitar. Okay. <laughs> yeah, one can find exceptional <laughs> instruments in pawn shops. Oh, it's, it, it happens. It, it does. I could tell you stories about Goodwill because I used to work for them in their online sales department. So uh, you'd be amazed what is, comes through a Goodwill network. So now you've, this is the rabbit hole. So you have these 19th century instruments that are mm-hmm. almost 200 years old. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And you're comfortable playing these. I would be afraid that I would in, unintentionally damage it or something. I mean, so. I mean, there were a lot of them built. So, like, but for a long time, they weren't really even valued. I mean, people were like, oh, early 19th century music, you know, whatever. <laughs> but yeah, they're. So, if you will, pick pick one one of you. Compare and contrast the 19th century original that you have with these mm-hmm. new new custom guitars over here. Do they play dramatically differently? Not dramatically, but the early 19th century instrument is has a lighter sound. Um, it it's not as loud. Um, it's a little bit smaller. Um, which I like because I like to stand when I'm playing. <laughs> and um, is the sound different because you're playing gut strings versus nylon strings? That's no, a piece of it. That's yes, a piece of it. yeah. Um, it's it's that's, also the this uh, bracing business that I went into, which mm-hmm. was probably too detailed. But no. <laughs> the, the 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 bracing interior the interior bracing of a uh, 19th century guitar is significantly different. You, you don't have those fan struts I talked about. All you have are the lateral braces. Um, the woods are different too. The yeah. the the whereas the the modern guitar follows the the Spanish tradition, the Torres tradition. They're always uh, usually uh, always usually um, a spruce or, or, or cedar top, and they have some sort of a rosewood back and sides. The 19th century guitars were pretty uh, consistently uh, spruce tops with maple back and sides. So mm-hmm. in other words, the woods were the same as a viol- member of the violin family. And the maple makes a difference because it's not as, you say, warm. It's, it's, it's got this very lively, bright sound. And the early 19th century guitar was an instrument that was built for the parlor. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't need to be like it doesn't need to you know reach to you know seat one hundred right. <laughs> so um, yeah, it's a very it's a very nice sound. The the music that you play on it also um, I don't know how to just yeah, it sits on it better. It just sits it, on it really nicely, I and mean, you it, can hear all the different voices. Yeah, it's it's really nice. And yeah. and back to your question of the the sense of, or I was sensing a, a, a sense of, um, anxiety or whatever about using, uh, the 19th century guitars in, uh, just, just making use of them again. Um, it's in, with both of our instruments, the originals, we've had them, uh, looked at by folks to make sure that, all the all nothing's loose everything's glued down everything mm-hmm. is sound and and all of that sort of thing and uh um we've had i and anyway so so we're we're quite confident that they're uh they're perfectly together uh solid sound instruments and you don't put uh the real high tension modern strings on them. Okay. Um, you're, you think about what strings you're putting on them and, and we also tune them. We don't tune them all the way up to four forty. We tune them at four thirty, which folks say is, is probably more what a was back then. Okay. So they're not tuned as they don't have the, quite the string tension on them that, but I, I would be, my apprehension about the device would be, inadvertently dropping it not not that the instrument shouldn't be played oh. i think it's wonderful that they're being played i'm more i would be more concerned about my 
myself. Like uh, okay, it, we won't let you play. Yeah, don't, 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 because if you would like your instruments to go out of tune, let me get within two feet of them, and it will happen. No, I, I would just be like, if I had an instrument of that age, I would be worried that somehow between getting it out of my vehicle and playing it on stage, I would do something to it that would cause me great distress, like drop it or something to that. That would be my, We're pretty careful. I, I'm yeah. sure you are, but no, that would be, that would be, but see, that would be where I would be. My anxiety would just be profound and it wouldn't be fun for me. I actually think it's amazing that you're playing instruments of that, of that era and that they are still being used. Cause when I think of like, you know, we'll just say Stradivarius. I mean, there's, those are lots of violins. That right. are that older right. being played right. all the exactly. time. Right. And yeah. so, but they're yep. also being, you know, cared for. From a, But these are wood. And so they, how does one ensure that after all these years that it's still, the wood is still not dry, maybe dried out's not the right way, but you know, what, what does yeah. one do to care for an instrument like, of any of these instruments? Right, exactly mm-hmm. right. Yeah, there are, there's a, there are numerous, numerous uh, humidifying devices or regimes that that folks uh, use. We use this. I, I think Diodario makes it now. Um, these uh, little packets. They're packets. They're something, and we have special cases. That yeah, are, you know. Yeah, proof. I guess. Um, wow. Okay. Yeah. They're. they're yeah. Uh, dare I say, like museum grade, it's if you fairly will? a no. sealed case, <laughs> and there, um, and there are these these humidity packs that you put inside to keep the, and we do that cert- particularly certain times of the year here in 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 central Washington. Of course, we want to do it in the summer when mm-hmm. it gets real dry, and in the middle of the winter, it gets when it's very cold. It also gets really really dry, right, and right. so those are the two times we're most concerned about it. Okay. We're going to do this episode a little differently. So let's go back to the the event on the 20th. What haven't we talked about that we should have on that, about that? What should the public know? No, most of our, my episodes, I like to think of them as being evergreen. So there's a component to this. If you're listening after May 20th, the mm-hmm. events already happened, but a lot of this conversation is still valid. But on the 20th, what, what else can the public expect? And what didn't I ask you? There will be wine, Washington wine. Okay. Afterwards. Washington wine afterwards. All right. She says with a big smile on her face. Just just and, give you that perspective. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're, we're very much looking forward to premiering the piece and uh, we're, we're very thankful of the, the co-commissioning uh, role that the Friends of the Lower Grand Coulee have played in this. And they've been the ones who have been uh, instrumental in arranging this new venue and uh the many things about the event itself so well let's talk about the friends of the lower grand coulee for a second can you give me a little bit more insight than what i know they're friends that's what i know they're just promoting education creativity um just in the in for for that this for region Soakland. for that for region Soakland. for okay. the yeah. the lower part of the Grand Coulee I yeah. I don't know much about That's beyond okay. that no, we'll no, get no them on so they can they can speak to it yeah we'll have them on as another guest sometime so how did so we're gonna now this I'd like to know more about you two specifically yeah. how did you two end up playing classical guitar what's your how did you end up here in Ellensburg playing classical guitar well I went to college as a pre-med major pre-med, okay. <laughs> and um i was playing ragtime guitar ragtime? <laughs> and i got okay. a scholarship we had uh, our teacher there was he had decided he was tired of new york and had moved out to idaho and he drove in every week to teach us um and it was really great at exposing us to i went to a segovia master class um Julian Breen, you know, kind of David Russell, Manuel Barreco, all the great... Jose Tomas. Jose Tomas, um, so master classes. And I, I guess for me, um, 
part of it was just the physics of the sound. You know, when you hear a note, it's not just one note. There's the fundamental and then the, you know, the octave above it is also sounding at the same time. So sound is actually three-dimensional. So I guess that also ties into um, my interest in history of science. Okay. All right. Um, but yeah, but yeah, classical guitar. Yeah. Fantastic. So we, we met in college at Whitworth. And as Tammy said, we were studying with... Uh, this teacher who had, had come from New York, he was a, had been a student of Segovia. And so early on, we had, from the both the master classes we had gone to um, and uh, studying with that teacher, uh, we early on had the idea that once we finished our, our master's degrees, uh, which we, you know, did later in, in, uh, in North Carolina that we would go and study in Spain. And so we did our master's degrees in music in uh, North Carolina and then went to the Royal Conservatory of Music in Madrid and studied with Jose Luis Rodrigo um, for a little over a year and then came back to the U.S. and we were still living in North Carolina and we uh, toured around the the largely the southeast and uh, the eastern seaboard and and then out here in the northwest when we come back to visit family and did that for seven years and then eventually uh through moved back to be closer move back yeah closer to family get day jobs etc and uh (laughs) and find ourselves here in we've been here in ellensburg for about almost 18 years now okay so why Ellensburg? What was, I mean, closer to family, but what was it, it did it have anything to do with the college or? No, it was just... me getting the job at the prosecutor's office. Okay. And so, so came here for, for work. Okay. So yeah, I'm uh, one of the. masters here. You did your master's at Central? Mm-hmm. Okay. In history. Okay. The second master's. Second, the masters. second masters. So let's talk about Ellensburg for a little bit. I went to college here, like I said, um, mm-hmm. and, and anybody listening to this, I say it pretty much every episode. Um, what do you like about this area? What the music you... department's fantastic. There's such great musicians here. Okay. And the kids are pretty good, too. I mean, they come and, you know, they have a lot of time to practice. <laughs> it's not a big city with a ton of stuff going on. Um, yeah. Concerts we, are fantastic. Yeah, we love the the being able to go to the both go to the uh, recitals at Central and also we've really enjoyed the opportunity to do recitals with uh, the music faculty at Central, which we've done for uh, numerous years, uh, playing chamber music with uh, the different uh, some of the different faculty members at in, in the music department. That's been great. How uh, Ott has a flute. Um, he's the flute faculty and it only plays at 4 30 and we were telling you about or maybe is it 4:15? it's it's a little different it's like 4 32 or something it's very odd play it in the orchestra because you can't tune it up to a 440 it's like i, I i'm not um <laughs> I, I have a blank look on my face yeah, so, that, yeah, so, so like, like a has not always been a okay right so like it really depended on what town um what the organ was tuned like oh okay. so you would tune to the organ basically okay um so his flute can play with guitar because we can you know play our early 19th century guitars we can just tune can, it down we can slightly. play a wherever we want to yeah okay okay so that's been fun it's it, yeah it's this marvelous <laughs> instrument that he has i i want to say the date there's a date uh, mm-hmm. written on it, and I can't remember what it 18, is. But it's 1815. 18, wow. Oh, it was 1815. So, yeah. It was. It was. I think it was made for some world exhibition in uh, in Paris or something. It's a wooden flute. Oh, and it's and and it's yeah. it's a marvelous as instrument. But as as Tammy was saying, because of the way it's tuned, he has this tremendous limitation on the ability to play it because you can't play it with anybody unless he's playing with a the guitar. Then it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's really been fun uh, to play with them. Tar- harpsichord too, but I don't think the music department has a harpsichord, which I don't know. But anyway, so that's, that's great. We, <laughs> I like the, you know, I'm from central Washington. So I, I really like the, the weather here, the, 
the four seasons, the the cycling here in Ellensburg is is great. We love cross country skiing in the winter. Uh, you know, like going you know mushrooming or 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 whatever around here. There's it's a, nice. there's an abundance in this area. Yeah, yeah, too. yeah. All right. So one of the questions I always ask, and this is getting into the okay. So I talk to a lot of people from Ellensburg, so this is going to be really interesting because nor- when I talk to somebody from, let's say, Soap Lake, I'll ask them this question, and I won't know the answer because I don't know Soap Lake well enough at all to have an answer. Here I have some I have some ideas, but I'm going to put you on the spot. I'm going to ask you both to answer it separately. I'm coming into town. It's lunchtime, and I need to get food. Where's a great place for me to get lunch in Ellensburg? Well, if you go to the Dakota Cafe... Very nice. You can go across the street and go to Gallery One and see some art at the same time. Okay, we got the Dakota Cafe. No one, no one's mentioned that as a spot. Okay, and and what do you got for me for lunch? I, I think I, again, there in the in that same area, you have either. Well, there's Ellensburg pasta, which is nice. And there's also the Pearl. The Pearl. The Pearl. Right. It yes. It used Starlight. to be called the Starlight. And we heard Pearl's that there. it was a cab driver who won the lottery who used to own that restaurant. Had you heard that? I have not heard that story. I think story. that's a cool story because, I mean, it's a cool space, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and what would you do if you won the lottery? Would you open a restaurant? No. I, as much as I like to eat, I don't think I... It sounds like I, a I, lot of work. Yeah, I, I just love it. That's a, that, how, do you, how do you make a, a large fortune, a small fortune? Opening a restaurant is probably a good way of doing that. Okay. So yeah. another question I have is I, I absolutely love coffee. and I drink coffee wherever I go. All Where's right. a great place for me to get coffee in Ellensburg? Yeah. Hmm. I mean, the obvious one is D&M, yeah. but you could come to my place. Your place? <laughs> I like to make coffee. <laughs> yeah, okay. But D&M is very solid. Very oh, solid. absolutely. Very solid. Yes. They, they do a nice job. Okay. Yes. All and right. There used to be a place called Country Crow that was brewing, uh, roasting coffee beans here. Yeah, I've never heard of them. Um, yeah, I think it. they don't do that anymore because... Okay. All right. <laughs> Just the you know how much money you make for roasting coffee. I think is once again how do you make a you large fortune or small? Love it. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah, right. It. Yeah. It's no. Like, and um, when I was working in Seattle, I was talking to a friend, and she had gone on a home visit to someone from Ethiopia, and she said, "Would you like some coffee?" So she got out her iron pan. Oh, did the ceremony and started roasting the beans. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like. So, yes. There's a, a coffee shop in Renton called Boon Buna. Okay. And they roast um, and import uh, African beans only, primarily okay. Ethiopian. Okay. And you can go... Well, I knew about this pre-pandemic. Okay. I haven't been... We hope they're still in No, they're, they're still in business. Okay. I know okay. they're still in business. Okay. I've been in there once post-pandemic. I don't know that they're doing this. So, but... Pre-pandemic, uh-huh. on Saturdays they were doing the Ethiopian coffee ceremony that you could reserve a spot for. Oh, it's like an hour right. and a half. Very interesting. Very interesting. Um, yeah, we did go to an Ethiopian restaurant one time, and um, like you just share. Right. This, yeah, we had a friend who um, she worked in um, Cutter, Q U A T A R. Oh, okay. <laughs> we call it. Guitar. Uh, Sometimes I've heard yeah, it a guitar, yeah. but she called it cutter, and I, okay. I mean, she's been there, so I was like, "Well, I think I won't correct you." <laughs> okay. So she taught chemistry there, and one night we had I don't know we were um, having uh, retro cocktail hour parties. <laughs> I don't know if you know that radio show, but it's pretty uh-huh. fun. Anyway, so we had an Arabian Arabian theme night, and she came over, and you know we had all jalabas, and she was pouring cardamom flavored coffee for everyone these little tiny cousins oh it's fantastic okay that would be fun mm-hmm. that would be fun all right so the last question i have for you do you now do you remember is it ringing any bells? okay uh, okay cake or pie oh and why <laughs> this reminds me of this question this 
friend of mine from grad school asked, and okay. he, he, I'm speaking with him and, and, and he looks at me and he goes, Neil, people can't say that you can't compare apples and oranges, but which one is better? And I look at him with this dumbfounded look on my face. I, I, I don't, I don't know, Steve. And he just is so disappointed in me and he goes, apples, Neil, apples. I always think of that one of the funniest things anybody ever said to me was that. I guess that's appropriate for Washington appropriate State, for Washington. isn't it? <laughs> All right, so, so you sidestep the question, Neil. Uh, so, so, that's a very so, clear answer for Neil. Cake or pie and why? Pie, because my one of my two favorite desserts is pumpkin pie. And so I would say pie because, yeah, just, okay. I, I just love pumpkin pie. All right, pumpkin pie. And I'm going to say cake just to be different. And I do love, um, what is that one with the cherry, chocolate cake with cherries, whipped cream. I, I'm drawing a, a blank. German, it's not the German chocolate cake with the, the nuts. It's the one that's Black Forest. Black Forest. Okay. That's it. Yeah, All that's right. pretty delicious. All right. So we got, we got cake and we've got pie. Okay. We got both. All right. Where can people find out about you online? And because you're going to be doing more performances than just the, the one on the 20th, right? Mm -hmm. you, you guys play regularly. Yeah. Primarily here in Ellensburg now? Or do you, are you doing uh, any stuff in the, uh, the Northwest? Around. I, I think we may be playing in the Tri Cities coming up. We, the we get concerts yeah. now and again. Okay. Yeah. So where can people find out more about you? Hawkins Guitar Duo. Dot com. Dot com. I'll put that. So C-A-U-L-K-I-N-S. Okay. I'll put that in the show notes for people to click Super. on. Super. Okay. Thank you both. Hope you enjoyed the show. You can reach me on Twitter at ExploreWaState. I'd love to hear your comments. You can also visit our website at ExploreWashingtonState.com. If you know anyone who would like the show, it'd be amazing if you'd share the show with them. This is the biggest way that we grow this show. Good old word of mouth. Glad you were here with me today, and I hope to have you listening to the next episode. See you then.